0: Hello and welcome to the strength to be human podcast with your host, poet and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. In this our third year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. On to episode 206, connecting self by imbuing closeness. I had to change the order around because I had a few more things I wanted to get out this month, and they all went into July. So that's why I did that. We're still doing the Vakov Havel uh, episode. It'll be towards more than the end of the month. Okay. Now I'm really fascinated with this particular show, mainly because I've seen a lot of this happening. To where folks are writing and they don't really have any closeness to what they're writing to there's there's a sort of a distance there so we're going to talk about that kind of an introduction about what i'm talking about on this and then we'll go to the first section which is bridging the distance and the second one standing your ground now let me give you a little bit more definition of what i'm talking about over here okay it's entirely possible and you see it a lot, especially if you're an editor or if you just do a lot of reading of, of short pieces of things, stories, poems, etc., where the writer, you can literally tell from reading it, uh, they seem to be struggling on the rearranging of the vocabulary. And, and they're trying to be clever with the form and, and maybe even make a couple of you know good points. But there's a distance there. I honestly think that this happens a great deal in writing, and a lot of people suffer uh, because of this. Some people just stop writing because they just don't know what's going on and, and why they're having such a problem. The, the problem is simply this. And we're going to talk about this throughout the show, but a distance is formed when the person is not doing enough. This means the writer, they're not doing enough to invest themselves. Uh, Their passion, uh, their desires, their ideas, uh, their fears and hopes, uh, their faith, even their dreams and what they're writing. It just becomes like a piece that's across the room somewhere and they, they, you know, throw a little paint on it now and then and hope it comes out to be a great picture. That's really what happens uh, metaphorically when this goes on. I get a lot of writing this way where you can tell, you know, that they're not invested in what they're writing. Now, the biggest problem with something like this from an editor's standpoint is that more times than not, you can't use something like this. It just has no oomph to it. It seems like it's lifeless, you know? I mean, in painting, you can have a still life. You can't have that in writing. Writing needs to have a sense of motion, a sense of going somewhere. But it, it can't be so distant from the writer that you can literally tell from reading it Oh, wow, that's flat. Oh, wow, do they even care? Oh, oh wow, what what the heck is this? I don't feel anything from it. Now, you could write artistic things. Hell, you could even write scientific things. And they don't have to have passion. And they don't even have to have feeling. They don't have to have an emotion. But they still need to be able to jump off the page and slap you in the face. You know, chickens evolved from dinosaurs. One of those idiotic ideas we hear a lot that I definitely don't agree with I just think that's some crap they throw out there. But guess what? On a page, that jumps out to you because you're looking at the damn chicken and going, really? You used to be a T-Rex? Now I'm eating you? Incredible. But there you go. That jumps out of you. It's just not something that's stale, just laying on the page. We can't do this and call ourselves creative. And we can't do this in the end of doing too much of this and, and calling ourselves writers. Now, forgive me for saying this, okay? But from an editor's standpoint, or even from a reader's standpoint, you don't know where that writer is coming from. You don't know really what the degree, the difficulty difficulties of having with this situation. You don't even know how committed they are to being writers, you don't even know if they want to be a writer, if they're a good writer, etc., etc. Meaning it's hard to make any kind of decent discernment. It's hard to make some kind of a valid judgment. So you're left with, you know, wow, that didn't do anything for me. If you want to give them the benefit of the doubt, hey, maybe something else they write will, will you know, have that spark. Because that's what we're talking about, something that jumps off the page. Call it a spark, call it a frog, call it a passion, call it whatever the hell you want to call it. But if something is not leaving the page, if it's just flat on the page, you haven't done anything. Because you haven't imbued it with the closeness, like we say in this episode over here. Now... I don't normally mention this, okay, because it's not some deep, dark secret. But oftentimes when I write titles for these things or we talk about these shows, I have my own private shorthand on things. And I don't always share it because it's for me. You know, I don't go around walking around my house going "Abusing closeness. It's a cool title, but it doesn't ring anything else for me personally. So I like to call this particular process meaning how you're making something closer to you. a sort of like a personification. You're personalizing it. You, you see that all the time with products out there. Okay? If you have a stupid-looking keychain, that's all it's ever going to be is a stupid-looking keychain. Now, you might say, well, hell, I only got it marked because I need to hold the key. I don't care about the rest of it. But if you do care about the rest of it, if you throw your name on it, you throw a city on it, you throw something on it, now it's been personalized. Now it means more, more to you. Now it becomes something more sentimental. Maybe even something you remember more. Maybe you care about it more. That's what happens because you're imbuing the closeness to it. You're bringing something to it that it didn't have before so that you can strike, like a Madonna says, you can strike a pose or you can pretty much get somebody's attention. That's how this is done here. That's what we're talking about on the literary level. You see this all the time. Uh, ugly yellow number two pencil will remain that way, but you got somebody that personalizes it and they're putting a school name on it or they're putting a Bible verse on it, they're putting a rock name on it or putting their name on it or, you know, maybe putting a rainbow little thing on it and throw a little uh, like gummy bear eraser on it. Next thing you know, it's, it, it's no longer a boring pencil, it's something cool. Something you don't mind someone seeing you have. That's what we're talking about. That kind of closeness. And I, you you would think, and I know I, I, it's, a, it's a weird irony, but you would think that when a writer wrote things, that they already were close to it because they put some time into it. But a lot of writers don't do that because oftentimes the time that these type of writers put into us is all about the mechanics, the structure of the piece, the grammar of the piece, the spelling of the piece, the word usage, and da, da 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 That's the time they put into it. And that's oftentimes how, in the end, when they get rejected a lot, they deceive themselves. What the hell? I put all this time into this. Blah-blah-blah-blah. What's wrong with these people? Yeah, thank you for doing all those mechanical, useful things. Now they are useful, but they're mechanical. You haven't put any life into this piece. And that's that's the problem with this kind of writing. Now, let's go on. I think that's enough of an introduction about it. We'll go on to the first uh, segment over here. And that is bridging the distance. Well, how do you bridge the distance? Because oftentimes when we get something as an idea or a thought, we put it down on the paper, maybe we got a few notes and et cetera, et cetera. It's already something that's out there. We got that. How do you bring it back home? How do you reel it the hell in? Okay? Well, this is how you do this. All right? Literally, by abusing the closeness, what you do is you start personalizing this. You start making it something of your own by it containing something about your background your feelings, an incident that you had, your passions. That's how you do this. I mean, I'm going to be doing a a show. uh, I think it's going to be in, uh, what is it? Uh, Is it still in June? Yeah, I'm going to be doing a a show in, uh, is it in July? No, I think it's going to be in, uh, yeah. I'm going to be doing a show where we're going to be talking about some of the lighter topics. And a lot of them have to do with nature writing and things that people do. And it just, the very same principle that I'm going to be telling you on this show, I'll probably repeat on that show because it bears mentioning again but because it's directly relevant. You can't put some poem together where, yeah, the animals are running through the forest and thank God for nature and you know, have a good day. That's my poem. You're not going to get anybody's attention. You're not striking any new chord. You're not doing anything interesting. In fact, unless your goal is to put people to sleep, you just put some people to sleep. Okay? There's nothing wrong with that material. Okay? And there's nothing wrong with that topic. It's all valid. Even if it's been done a bit. Still, it's still valid. The problem is this. You haven't invested who you are in that. You have to have something more to bring that. Even if what you're adding to it is not the central focus of the piece, fine, then let it be window dressing. Fine, let it be the background. Fine, let it be a foundation. Let it be something, but it let you allow you to build from that, okay? And, and here's a perfect example of that, okay? You take something from your own life, you know? She broke my heart, and I, and I ran to alcohol. I didn't want to see anybody anymore. I wandered in the forest like the foxes running around. Something like that. Where you're putting in something about what's happened to yourself in this piece. So now, it could still be a nature piece. You could still want to talk about foxes in the forest and all that other stuff. And nothing wrong with that. But you want to be able to put something else in it to it. So this way the person walks away. They walk away with a couple of great meanings. They got the, the nature thing going on. They got the fact that, you know, it could be lonely out there, but nevertheless, it could be dangerous as well, but you got to walk that walk and, you know, all that. That's what I mean about imbuing closeness. That's what we're talking about, personalizing something, and that's what we're talking about in this segment on bridging the distance. That's no longer a distance there. It's not there anymore. You have to do something like that to make something jump off the page. To make it be relevant. I get a lot of work that's technically sound and I'm like, uh, please, uh, let me have three more cups of coffee because I'm, I'm about to fall on this computer. Because for some reason, these writers just thought that you know, a, a family vacation piece is, is going to be interesting. Or... A piece about, you know, grandma dying of a disease that, you know, only people who speak ancient Latin can actually say. There has to be more than that. That can't be the focus. Not only are those sort of things boring, okay, they don't really tell you anything. Why does someone want to invest their time so you can tell them about your family when you haven't even invested anything in that piece to make them be interested. Now, I'm not suggesting that you've got to be able to say, you know, um, yeah, my, uh, my uncle, uh, he used to go to these uh, visits with us on these vacations. But then, you know, he drank a lot and got himself in trouble and got arrested a couple of times and blah, blah, blah. I- I'm not suggesting you need to go that route. But I am suggesting that there has to be key elements in the particular piece That makes it more than just a vacation family piece. That makes it more than just some regurgitation you had that you just thought was going to be fun and silly and positive. I don't have anything against positive or fun or silly. But it still needs to be literary. It still needs to have a life of its own. It still needs to jump off the page. Hell, sometimes I'll take if it just like limps off the page. But the damn thing needs to go off the page. If it's just laying there, well, I'm an editor. I'm, I'm not a doctor, okay? It's not my job to resuscitate your piece. That's up to you. That's what you need to do. And I, and I find this is a failing a lot of the things that I receive, you know, at my uh, magazine, Aerial Chart, and, and even sometimes read in other magazines, and I don't know how they get through to these editors. I don't know if they don't care, or if they just go to the right school, they love their resume, or some other nonsense reason where they seem to approve stuff like this. Stuff that, I mean, I'd I'd take the magazine it it might be good for firewood for a couple minutes because I don't see any point in reading stuff like that. Alright? Like any other reader out there, especially somebody that loves reading, you know, I want to be surprised. I want to be engaged, which I can never be engaged if you haven't even engaged in the piece yourself. It's still across the room somewhere and you're throwing stuff at it. Hey, look at that, Mark. Isn't that cool? You know, I like I twist that phrase around. Yeah, that's lovely. But uh, what kind of life does this thing have? Not much, huh? Yeah? Flatlining it. That's why it's on the damn page. Flat because it's a flat line on it. It needs life. And you know how you give it life? By giving some of your life. Now... You need to re- you need to do this for a couple of reasons. The first reason of course, is the literary reason to get something that becomes three-dimensional that people can pick up and, and they can swallow, they can carry with them in their memory they can care about. That's the first reason. The second reason, maybe even more important than the first reason. but I'll keep it second anyway, okay It allows you to grow as a person, when you're willing to impart something about you that you don't normally talk about. I'm not suggesting here some dark secret. I I was sexually harassed when I was nine or something like that. I'm not suggesting that. I mean, unless you think that's important to to reveal, no. It doesn't have to be some big, nasty, dark secret. But it does have to be something unique and special about yourself or something you might have went through, something you might have seen that makes that thing come alive, that makes it look like you cared about putting this together. Because if you can't figure out a way to take something of your life, something of your being, something of your heart and soul in it, why even be a writer then? What's the whole point? I never really asked anybody why they write, and I'm probably going to be doing a show about that because it makes sense to do so. But we'll talk a little bit about that right now, okay? I'm sure lots of people have lots of reasons. My reason, and I'm not suggesting you adopt it. I'm not suggesting you should just have one like I do. This is just me, okay, sharing it with you. I have the same reason that I've had since I started writing 37 years ago. I believe I have something to say. And I tell you now, folks, until the day that I don't believe that anymore, I'm going to continue to write. And writing on page, writing on the computer. Yes, and in many ways when you put together these shows and you're talking to people in a way you're you're also writing because we're all doing things that are interesting and and creative and you're hopefully thought provoking and provocative. Although, you know, if I'm a baseball player I'm sure I'm not hitting a home run every time I'm out there, but God knows at least I'm trying to get on the base, you know? So that's for me. I believe I have something to say. Now, I don't know if that's a second, third reason, or people have just a different, you know, paraphrase of that, or, or, or maybe they just uh, have another reason. That's that's beyond that. I want to communicate to the world, you know. I want to break out of my lonely shell. Whatever, that's fine. But it's important to have something like that because there'll be ha- you're going to have days where you, that's the only thing you can rest your hat on, because you have days where. I can't make this damn thing work. I can't get this piece going right. I got like 98 rejections this week. You know what I mean? I'm taking out the garbage and I just want to like hit my head against the tree. You know, all that sort of stuff. At least you still have that. It's important because if you can't hold on to it, you can't stay a writer very long. I tried to my best to allude into a, a recent article I put down. You know, um... About, ...about this subject... In, ...in a brief way... ...and I wasn't as... ...probably uh, as concise... ...or even as poetic... ...as I might be now... ...strange as that might sound... <laughs> ...but... Uh, ...I liked the fact that... ...it was important to say... ...hey... ...it's harder... ...just to maintain... ...the focus on wanting to be creative... ...and what you can do next... Than anything else. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of willpower. So that's why. It's so important. You will find. Uh, anything that I've written. Or other people have written. That you might admire. You know, Whatever pieces those are. They're not going to be everything. But there will probably be certain pieces. That are closer to you. They might be closer to you. Because in many ways. They were probably closer to me. So In. That kind of strange way, you know, where we were successfully able to invest a part of who we are in that piece. Sometimes it becomes the best piece. And it's 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 to me, it's always ironic. I live in such a world of irony, even in the literary world, because it's quite possible, and it happens to me a lot, where you write down things that you feel instinctively are important. And you put your notes together, you do your drafts, and you send it out there. And you get people really responding. But in many instances, I know for myself anyway. And I don't mind this, even if it's going to sound weird to you. I don't always understand everything I write. It's not always easy to answer a question on something when I'm like, Hey, that's cool. Uh, I'm still trying to friggin' figure that out myself. That happens. And it's going to happen to you too. Because when you are focused, there are things that are going to be coming out of you that you're not always aware of. You're not always in control of. You're not always filtering it like you might in some instances. Some of it might not be from your creative voice, but rather just from things that you experience. And they they just sort of like seep out of you. In many ways, I think that's what happened to me in that particular piece. You know, I'm happy to get it out there. I'm happy it got published. So don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. But I am saying that that's going to happen. And when it happens, we have to understand that that is also our own way of, I guess, in, in a subconscious way of saying that, you know, we still have things that we want to say, that we want to communicate, that we want to transmit out there. And we might not even know them all ourselves. In a conscious fashion. It might not correspond to a few notes you had from last week. Or maybe a thought that you've been carrying around your head all this long. And you're like, that has nothing to do with that thought. No, it doesn't. It's something else. You can call it a moment of inspiration. A spark of creativity. You know, being hit by a muse. You know, angels talking to you. There's like 10,000 things that people say about it. But... In the final analysis, it's still another example of you imbuing closeness into your work that it has an impact. Because when you write in a soulless fashion, when you write in a fashion that's mechanical, when you're more worried about grammar or the people that want to be grammar Nazis instead of, is this connecting to me? Is this going to be able to connect to somebody else am I saying something else here that I really think needs to be said if you're not focusing on those things it's going to be very hard to be any kind of a decent writer so i really think that many times uh the people in writing and sometimes the critics of writing they have it wrong because they focus on the wrong things what's up with this punctuation you know you just put 5000 words down and someone's worried about you know a, a, a comma that they believe is misplaced. Really? Did you do anything with those five thousand words I just put down there? I'm not trying to sound like I'm angry here, but it's it's very annoying because I should hear about this misplaced comma. If you really feel that that's the case, you know, in the criticism and the breadth of it, maybe the fourth or fifth thing you need to be saying, not the friggin' first it's almost an insult. So you got folks here that often read things and you have to wonder, what what the hell are you thinking? Uh, Are you even a writer yourself? Let me see all these wonderful examples you're pointing out. And when you see somebody saying commas and you see someone fretting over grammar like the world is going to end, get a chance to read something as they read, Okay. And make it on one of those sleepless nights because it'll definitely put you to sleep. At least you know it's going to help cure insomnia. Because I guarantee you they're going to be guilty of writing crap. Because they're worried about the wrong things. Oh, their paragraphs are going to be technically sound. Who gives a crap? Any good reader that's moved by good writing doesn't even use the word comma. They don't even care about something. Par- I didn't even notice a paragraph. Because they've invested themselves in something they've invested in and the connection has been made. You connect it to yourself and then you connect it to them. That's what writing is all about. That's what good writing is all about. That's what writing is supposed to do. It's not a... I mean, it can be embarrassing sometimes. I had that happen a couple of times. I don't mind admitting to you. I'm not some expert over here that's going to always be perfect. I don't even believe in perfection. I've had people tell me, hey, I love this story, but I, I caught like two, you know, misspellings or something. And I look through and go, oh, God, yeah, there they are. Thank you. And, and sometimes they have some wonderful, wonderful to say, and they need some of the things they pointed out. Oh, well. Still made the connection there, though. Hey, maybe still made a mistake. Okay. But I'm telling you right now, those mistakes are worth it. The biggest mistake of not connecting to your work, not caring about what you have to say, not investing yourself in it, not imbuing it with the closeness that we're talking about on this show, well, that's the worst mistake at all. And, and that's how your stuff goes down down the drain. All right, next segment over here standing your ground I know writers have told me privately hey mark I, I I agree exactly what you're saying about that I'm just too afraid to do that I don't want to reveal too much I want to have a certain distance I just worried I'm afraid It's in that now I don't mock people like this and I don't say that what they're saying, doesn't have some validity in the sense that this is what they feel. They have hesitation. You know, they have uh, trepidation. I mean, they, they, they simply are worried about, you know, I thought I was supposed to control this thing. I don't want this thing controlling me. All right, I got all that. But you're talking about an addiction. You're not talking about writing, okay? Because any writer will tell you writing is not an addiction. It can be very grueling. It's like, it's like a run. I run every night. I do it because it's necessary for my body. It's necessary for weight control. It's necessary for blood pressure and sugar and all of that. All those things that it helps me with and I feel better for it. (laughs) But I'm not having a, a birthday party with cake every night when I do this. There's no fun and joy and I can't wait to run. I never do that. If I didn't have that phone with the with the earplug in it, listen to Pandora, I don't know what the hell I do out there. I probably like scream and never do it again. It is so boring. And later on, it's so painful. But hey, like laundry, it's necessary. We gotta get dirty if we wanna get clean. So that's just the way that is. I tell those people oftentimes when they say something like that, How are they going to discover you when you haven't even bothered to discover yourself? Folks, that's part of standing your ground on this segment. That's part of writing, and that's part of what we're talking about over here. It's And this is what a lot of writers make this mistake on. They honestly think, and I'm telling you right now, you're dead wrong. They honestly think that it's all about putting together some words and a cool thought and, and a neat little thing and shooting out there so you connect to the audience. Folks, if you don't learn to connect to yourself first, you're never really going to connect to an audience. It's just something going to happen. You're going to put something out there that's blasé or cliché or technically sound but friggin' soulless. Okay? A cute frog, but it won't move. What the hell's the point of a frog if it don't move? remember, You think about it. What's the poetry of a frog? It's in its jumping. If a frog doesn't move anymore, is it really even a frog? It's just a dead piece of meat. So there's no skipping anything here, folks. You don't get to shoot from your computer out to the world and that's it. If you haven't learned to connect with yourself, that's the first thing you should be doing. It's the first thing you should naturally be doing. It's really what writing is all about. The connection to yourself should be first before you're trying to connect to people. Because you're trying to deliver to them something that's honest. Something that's authentic. Something that has some life to it. Something that they can hang their hat on. Something they can say, yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, you're, you know, you're right. Oh, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Oh, yeah. that's what it, That's what you need to do. Otherwise, you're not a writer. You're just a typer. You just type some words in somebody so they can read them. yeah. You, you, you might as well just be a damn journalist. Because those folks over there have no soul. And they already have an agenda. And they already just simply type whatever the hell it is without even looking for a story anymore. I don't even think they leave their offices anymore. Yeah, I already know what it is, the truth. So I'm just going to type it up. That's what they do. Be a writer. That's a lot more than, than anything a journalist is going to do these days. It's sad, but it's true. And that's not coming back anytime soon. We just don't have that kind of world anymore. But writing people still paying attention to. And you know how you know this? You you know how you can believe me? (laughs) As funny as this might sound. You know, check out Pine Interest. Check out some of the memes. Check out some of the inspirational sayings. You're going to find them people quoting writers. And poets. Philosophers. Scientists okay? You're very, gonna, very rarely you're going to ever see anything that they're quoting a journalist. What does that tell you? After all the crap they've typed for the last 200 years, very few things that, that they ever said was memorable or useful to anybody. That's how damn disposable it is. That's how soulless it is. That's the reason why newspapers are dying everywhere. Nobody cares anymore. They've, they've lost their credibility because they lost their passion. Don't you have that happen to you. But look it out, you'll see that. You can count them all you want. You, you'd be shocked by how the percentage. There'll be times you read pages and pages of these cool quotes and these wise aphorisms and etc. And, and you won't even find a single journalist. I mean, you'll find scientists before you find journalists. And folks, scientists are not exactly the most snappiest speakers. When they could do better than a journalist, as just tells you something. But I'd say, for my own, like, summarizing of this, 95% of the stuff you're going to see are from writers. They can be writers from last year or writers from 3,000 years ago, but they're writers. Because those people imbued closeness to their work. They tried to grab something out of themselves to give to you. They tried to move you with things that moved them. That's what we're supposed to do as writers. So let's end this distance nonsense. It's not good writing. In many ways, it's not even good living. It's just typing. And you got to decide who you want to be if you're interested in this writing. And I don't mean that you have to decide I'm a black writer who writes about black things or I'm a writer who happens to be black. Not that kind of decision. I mean the decision of are you going to be a writer or are you going to be a typer? Are you going to be a writer or are you going to be a journalist? They already has the answers made up already. They're just trying to fill in a couple of blanks with a couple of facts and make it look like they did something. That's who you want to be or do you want to be a writer? Because we're living in a day and age right now okay? where the writer has more authority, has more value, in many instances, has more to say about the world out there than anybody else. More than the businessman who's just cynically plotting through the markets to figure out how they can make a buck. More than the, the, the politician who's just simply either trying to bring people against each other so they don't notice that he's a schmuck Or simply, just simply lying just to keep his own job. Or, incredibly enough, tell you something that they honestly think is useful when it's not. You're going to find more and more these days that the world will hate a writer before it'll hate a used car salesman. Before it hates a politician. Before it hates a dancer. Before it hates a fireman. Before it hates... A journalist, it'll hate the writer. Why is that? Why do dictatorships around this world hunt down poets to kill them? Right now, did you know that there are more writers in the Cuban jails from that communist, godless government than anywhere else on earth? Writers. Why are they afraid of somebody that's writing something? Hmm? Well, they're not afraid of journalists because they're just simply mimicking whatever the government is saying. You know, kind of like here in America. But not writers. Not writers that are trying to be honest. Not writers that see what's going on. Not writers that want to communicate something to get people to wake up. And I don't mean that woke nonsense. I mean just to wake up from the nonsense of I'm tired of being lied to. Writers do that. And they hunt writers down. And they kill writers. And they imprison writers. Right now, some of the real journalism that's going on is in Mexico. Where you don't have people typing. You got people saying, hey, this drug cartel crap should not go on. And it goes on because the banks are looking the other way. And the police are being paid off. And the politicians are just speaking crap that someone wrote for them. So they can just lie to the public. while the public's being murdered. And while these people continue to grow and grow. And they threaten the democracy through the money and through the arms and what they do. And the journalists want people to know about this. So something can continue to get something can get done about that. And Many times they've broken through to get these people arrested. To make things happen. But not on any given year. You don't have anywhere between 15 and 30 of these journalists murdered. Assassinated if you want to use the word. I just like murdered because... That's just the truth of the matter. Murdered while they're going to work. Murdered at a bar because they didn't think about the security of the situation. Murdered in their own house. In some cases, even murdered with some of their family members. But these are writers and they're murdered. Why? Because they're armed with the truth and they're not afraid to speak it. They're not afraid to put it out there. That's what a writer does and that's the risk that you have to take in a country like that or in a place like that but in writing in general you're supposed to be taking risks and I, I mean I, again i don't have any problem with nature writing folks but you know it's it's really hard to take a risk when you're just writing about foxes jumping around in the forest you know or you're writing about frogs that you know have blue skin you're writing about snakes I'm not really seeing the risk here. Unless you got something more to say than that. Unless you put something else inside of you that came out in that. And you're talking about the snake of somebody in your past life and then the snake that's out there in the in the swamp or whatever. Then I then I can see what you're doing. But that's what writing is. Taking the risk. Ruffling up people. Kicking stones around. Moving things. That's the difference between a writer and a typer. Cause you know, it's not like they killed thirty journalists slash writers in Mexico and there was no more, you know, writers and journalists anymore. No. <laughs> the rest of them are just typing away at something else because they don't wanna dare touch that subject. They just it's just not worth it to them. But they wanna moan and groan privately about how the country you know, could be wealthier than it is if it didn't have such corruption. That there's really no, if you ever looked at the the numbers, you'd be shocked. There's no economic reason why that many people have to come over to America if their own country would be honest with itself, get rid of these people, get rid of corruption, they'd be so wealthy as a nation. Hell, people would want to go over to Mexico rather than the other way around. As funny as that might sound, that's the truth. But no, what's not right about that? What's just complaint about how life sucks? You wanted to change? Well, write about it. It could start as a simple letter to your councilman about something. It should be honest. It should be factual. It should be passionate. And it should have your real name on it. You got my email. I'd love to see a copy of it. Because you do that and there's a writer. All right, folks. Until next time, I want to thank you for supporting the show. we got a lot of interesting shows that are coming up. Let's talk about that uh, briefly over here. All right. So we just finished up with Connecting Self by Imbuing Closeness. Really love that topic, actually. I know it's going to be beneficial for a number of people. They might find themselves at a time. You know, and we all do, by the way, okay? Nobody's like r- r- writing 100% closeness, not even me, all right? But I guarantee you I'm not writing all of that distance crap either. So you're going to find yourself a-, a little bit here and a little bit there. So the show will help you sort of get back to what you need to be doing. All right, we got a next show after that coming up called Construction Lighter Topics with Relevancy in Mind. I know it's a big title, but that's where we talk about some of the things that are fun and positive. But you still have to do them in such a way that they are relevant, that you're still putting something of yourself into them. Otherwise, you know, it's just good home and, and journal. That's all great and everything, but you know, is that really writing? Is that really useful uh, for anything? Next one after that, we're going to go to uh, another classic spotlight series. Uh, uh Václav Havel. Uh, one of my uh, one of my favorite. Writers, somebody I had some personal connection with when I lived over and in, in worked in, in, in West Germany. And I'll tell you a couple of stories. A uh, hell of a guy. Um, one of the real writers that um, literally was able to, to transition uh, from writer to jailbird to writer to uh, politician to president of two different countries. Incredible. And successful, too. Even though in some cases, some things he was not hap- they're not always happy with him about. But hey, what are you going to do? That's, that's the life of, of a leader. But nevertheless, he was successful. It's going to be fun to talk about him. Going into July, we're going to do another mailbag. It'll be mailbag 8, writing it's personal. That's going to be fun. Got a bunch of emails. Got a lot of folks that are uh, happy and excited about some of the shows. And of course, you always have a couple that, that are not. <laughs> and we'll, we'll hear what they have to say as well. But hell, even the ones that are not happy about the show, at least they're trying to imbue some closeness by being nasty. That still actually counts, believe it or not. All right, and then the last one over there uh, is uh, post-traumatic stress disorder in the arts. So we're going to talk a little bit about that phenomena, how uh, it could go into the arts, how sometimes arts can can work in with it as a sort of a therapy. Um, that's just becoming the beginning part of July. There's still a lot of, of July I'm still working on. I am hoping that maybe I can have another interview or two Going on that we could put in the later or middle part of July, but I'm working on that as we speak. We'll see what happens. Not an easy thing, but you know I'm always I'm always trying to you know get interesting people on whenever whenever it's possible. All right, folks. God bless. Until next time. This is Mark Antony Wattsy. Strength to be human. That was episode 206. Connecting self by imbuing closeness. Good night. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.